Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No Trump. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with uh, our Judicial Watch weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us, as always, this week in a, another uh, kind of insane period of time here in our nation's uh, history as the election of the president of the United States remains under significant dispute as a result of challenges by President Trump to what looks to me to be awful, awfully corrupt processes in ascertaining the winners in, of the election in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, and Nevada, and Arizona, and the rest. And I'll talk about that. Plus, we have a new big lawsuit. And I'll talk about big tech censorship as well that is um, targeted yours truly. So I'll get to that. Uh, but first up, obviously, is the uh, continued dispute about the outcome of the November election. It's now, uh, let's see, it's almost two, three weeks after the election, and we still don't have a cons confirmed winner, either uh, as a result of state certifications, or that will happen over the next few days, assuming there's no uh, legal fights that uh, uh, delay that, or political fights. Uh, and then, of course, it goes to the Electoral College in December, uh, which could be uh, lead to some additional issues. And then on top of that, you have Congress handle this in January. Now, I'll get all into that. But first up, though, is uh, the status of the legal disputes being raised and the other issues being raised by the president, uh, by President Trump's campaign legal team, which is now led by Rudy, Giuli Rudy Giuliani. Joining Rudy Giuliani is uh, Sidney Powell, Jenna Ellis, who has been helping the president for um, about a year plus now, and Joe Gigenova and Victoria Tenzing, who you may know as well, top hard-charging lawyers. Joe is a former U.S. attorney, Victoria, a former uh, top official in the Justice Department. Uh, so uh, there are claims pending in, our, in Philadelphia, a new lawsuit in Nevada, and what are the big issues in my, the big issues that are remaining in my view that need to be, uh, that there should be no question about in terms of, uh, of what happened and in my view, what the relief should be. I guess there'll be a question about what the relief will be, but there's no question that uh, there is a dispute, a credible dispute about what happened in Pennsylvania in the delay and the counting of ballots after election day. And what's being alleged in litigation and what's being alleged, generally speaking, by uh, the president's team is that state law required them to be able to observe the counting of the ballots. And even though they were technically let in, in some instances, they weren't let in and able to observe in any credible way in the sense that it was a giant room. They were kept away from a lot of the counting, couldn't see it visibly enough. And uh, therefore, the requirement to observe the ballot being counted uh, was uh, turned into a big fat joke by Pennsylvania officials. And so the allegation is because those ballots were counted illegally and improperly, they can't go, they can't be uh, fairly attributed uh, and uh, as part of the total votes 
in Pennsylvania. And that would essentially turn the election in Pennsylvania, at least, back to President Trump. I think similar allegations, similar allegations have been raised in Michigan and other places, but that's the big fight in Pennsylvania. Uh, now, the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania in a, in a state case uh, and the state court of Pennsylvania, Supreme Court of Pennsylvania is terribly partisan. And they said, well, you know, they got in and, you know, the, they could observe. And that's a big argument. I don't think they're going to fight. I, I don't think that issue is going to be uh, necessarily disposed of as easily uh, by the uh, federal courts. If this issue, I think, is raised as I think it should be by uh, President Trump and his team. Uh, but uh this is not over in that regard. And this is why the Pennsylvania state legislature has got to look very carefully whether they're going to willing, whether they will willingly certify uh, the, a process that essentially has called into question the counting of 600,000 votes. I think it's 682,000. I'm kind of going on memory there. And so if that's the case, uh, the state legislature can certify election results that don't include the suspect ballots or the suspect ballot counts, which is the issue here. They don't need to show fraud. That they need to show is that the superstructure of the counting process was unreliable and can't be trusted. And so now it's up to the Pennsylvania state legislature, in my view, to decide whether or not they want to bless this mess, as I've been calling it, whether they want to certify results that are uh, really can't be certified in any credible way or whether they're just going to go along to get along and move on. And if that's the case, obviously those votes will be counted or the electors will be counted in the electoral college when it meets in, uh, they don't, electoral college, essentially the meeting of the electoral college is essentially 50 meetings that take place in the various states where these votes are certified. And then later uh, in Congress, January 6th, Congress meets to essentially uh, ratify further the electoral, the electoral college counts. Now, if there aren't enough electoral college votes for any candidate to win, Congress, it goes to the House immediately. If there are, but there are challenges, then it's a very complicated process. I shouldn't say very complicated. It's not that complicated. The two houses uh, meet separately and try to resolve um, decide on e each house decides whether to challenge electoral college votes. And it's not clear what happens if they both, uh, if they decide differently, if they decide together to, to remove the votes, then potentially it goes to the house again then. So uh, the makeup of the Senate will be uh, very close one way or another. Uh, it could be the Republicans, it could be the Democrats that control the Senate. And even if the Republicans control the Senate, who knows how a challenge will turn out. So Bush, uh, excuse me, the President Trump doesn't necessarily have um, a, slang, a slam dunk case if uh, a dispute rises in Congress, arises in Congress in terms of having the dispute upheld. But the point being that the process allows him to, or, or allows those in Congress to challenge this issue. And my question to you is, if you live in Arizona, Nevada, Pennsylvania, uh, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, all states that couldn't get their act together to count the ballots, in my view, in an appropriately, uh, in an appropriate fashion, uh, whether you've called your state legislators to remind them they have independent obligations to make sure that it was, this was done properly. And certainly any of you listening can call the, your senators and congressmen to, remi to remind them of their obligations to make sure this was done properly as 
final certifiers of the electoral college count that will come to them in January, in January of uh, next year. In the meantime, uh, the president has, and his team have raised issues about these computer issues. And I'm not quite sure what to make of that, as I've discussed with you previously, the issue in that Michigan County where there was a change in votes from Biden to, to Trump as a result of uh, a computer, op an error by a clerk that was, uh, in terms of her mishandling uh, a computer update as it relates to the election. Uh, you know, I've read carefully the explanations for that, that error and what happened and how it was caught. And I didn't find it all that persuasive or reassuring. And certainly there's enough information just based on that uh, uh, glitch, as it's, so, as it's been called, to raise questions of whether that glitch occurred anywhere else. I mean, if they're using that software program and that computer program, Dominion, forget about what its connections are to foreign governments or foreign individuals or any of those other allegations. We know that there was a problem in one key jurisdiction and we need to make sure that that problem didn't occur somewhere else and we're not hearing about it. And uh, Sidney Powell was talking about how this uh, Smartmatic system, I think, was set up in Venezuela to change the outcome of the election there where the features of the program allowed it allowed votes to be easily manipulated and change, in that case, to the benefit of Hugo Chavez. So we don't know, although it's been alleged, we don't know the detail of whether that happened here in the United States. It's been suggested that was a possible outcome. I'm not sure exactly what happened there. But as I keep on going back, is that we got these basic elements of voter fraud and, and uh, a lack of confidence in the way these votes were handled that, in my view, is already more than enough to raise uh, judicial issues in the courts and to raise issues in the Electoral College with the state legislatures and in Congress. Nevada, for instance, the Trump campaign filed a, a lawsuit, which I'm not, I'm not sh uh, it's worth reading. Uh, and they alleged that there was double voting, meaning that you had uh, 15,000 people vote in two states at the same time. Well, if that's true, that could change the outcome of the election in Nevada. You also had allegations in that case that the machines were used improperly to verify signatures. And I won't go into detail because I probably will misexplain it without having the court document in front of me. But essentially, uh, it was used to uh, uh, verify signatures in a way it wasn't supposed to be used under law and in a way that technically raised questions about whether it was verifying the signatures well enough for uh, good enough for government work, if I could uh, be so blunt, uh, in, in Nevada, uh, Clark County, which is the main county in Nevada, that's, that's Las Vegas, essentially. So if those allegations are all true, uh, enough votes could be thrown out or put at issue that would turn Nevada back towards uh, potentially President Trump. Now, in Michigan, you had the uh, outrageous uh, threats and, and uh, uh, pressure on the canvassers who dared question whether or not they could credibly uh, certify election results in Wayne County, which is the big county associated with Detroit. Now, my understanding of Mich Michigan law is that they're not supposed to certify uh, the results when uh, essentially they can't reconcile the, polling, the, the written records with the ballot numbers. So they got essentially a polling book and they got to they reconcile the two. 
and there were several precincts where they were unable to reconcile it. And so rather than saying no to certification as they initially did, uh, they ultimately voted to certify the results despite the requirements of state law uh, that they not be certified. Now, since then, they've tried to pull back their vote. And there's a big argument whether that's legally possible or not. Uh, but in the end, it raises questions about whether the Michigan state legislature and officials there um, at the state level will certify these, these results generally. Because Michigan has some of the same problems Pennsylvania had with the way these um, uh, ballots were counted in terms of being counted secretly, illicitly, and secretly. And when they're counted illicitly and secretly, you can't trust the results. And in my view, uh, a state legislature should be very hesitant to certify such results. Of course, we all knew this was going to happen. In my view, this was planned chaos. They mailed out ballots. They came back. They uh, had no good way in many of these states of certifying or assuring anyone that the ballots were from where they were supposed to be coming from, and they were all ballots from eligible voters. And rather than deal with that forthrightly, uh, these states, especially in Pennsylvania, decided to count the ballots secretly. Now they say technically they weren't counting it secretly. Practically they were. And I find those allegations quite credible and backed up by a common sense analysis of what the law requires and what actually happened. So uh, this is this is far from over. And I know the president's getting a lot of pressure from the usual suspects, both Republican, Democrat and establishment deep swamp to concede the election and begin transition of uh, to the President Biden. And I don't think he should do that. I think the transition, uh, first of all, everyone's overstating how important the, tran the transition is. I mean, we all know what they were doing during the transition of Obama-Trump. Remember, they told us how wonderful that transition was. They were spying on Trump during the transition. They were thinking of ways to prosecute and spy on illicitly, run out of the Oval Office by Obama, General Flynn, and Trump. Comey was spying on Trump personally during the transition. So spare us the lectures about how important transitions are. When you're engaged in sedition during a transition, all of that is just bunk, which is what Obama was doing. And practically speaking, President Biden, legally and practically speaking, President Biden is in president-elect. And frankly, given his uh, corruption, uh, I consider him to be a national security risk. It's one thing if ev eventually he's put in as president because the votes are certified, Congress blesses it, and there are no other legal options, then he gets a security, classified security briefing. I wouldn't give him any briefings till then, until the law absolutely requires it. In terms of transitions, I wouldn't do anything until the law absolutely requires it if I were the president. And this fight could go, as I said, through Congress. So in the meantime, Judicial Watch is uh, doing its own investigation. We have our own litigation. We are fighting in Pennsylvania to clean up the election rolls. I mean, we, we told you 800 extra thousand names on the rolls in Pennsylvania. And we just had a court decision allowing all these leftists to come in. Now the, 
the far left groups that have responsible for the chaos are now joining our court case and intervening in our court case in Pennsylvania to make sure the rolls aren't cleaned up. So now we're fighting the not only the state of Pennsylvania, but the entire left. Mark Elias, who's the top lawyer for the Democrats on these issues, just centered his appearance. So we're fighting the top echelon of the folks responsible for the chaos this election. The folks who changed the rules, went to court to change the rules, pushed mailing ballots to lists that everyone knew were dirty. So Judicial Watch is in the middle of the fight right now. And of course, separately, we have investigations under FOIA to figure out what went on in these various states, to put pressure on them to preserve documents, get documents to us. Who knows? You know, Maybe we'll get things over the next month or two. Because it is, again, a little under two months before uh, the fat lady sings, practically speaking. So uh, if you uh, want to find out what happened during the election and want a group that's well positioned to do that, then you've got Judicial Watch here. We're here. We're already doing the heavy lifting, and I encourage you to support and continue to support our work. Now, elections aren't the only thing. And as I said about the transition, the corruption of the Biden group, the Obama group, is is. Uh, isn't gone away. It, you, know, you know, Barack Obama has a new book out. By the way, if you're looking for a new book to read about Obama, get Judicial Watch's new book, A Republic Under Assault. I talk about the elections. I talk about Obama. I talk about the coup. I talk about the targeting of General Flynn. And Judicial Watch, you know, no matter who wins, Judicial Watch just keeps on doing the work. I'm, I'm kind of excited. I know people are nervous about the election and some of you might be upset because it looks like Trump may not be president or they're upset that people aren't doing what they need to do to preserve the, the rule of law here. But Judicial Watch knows what to do. We keep on doing what we're doing. Hold the government accountable. Don't stop no matter who's elected president and keep on pursuing justice. I mean, the Justice Department refused to give us anything under the deep state operators that uh, were uh, left in place by Attorney General Barr, I, it's not going to change if Biden wins. And that's the unfortunate truth. It may get worse, may get better. I don't know. Frankly, the deep state had was kind of let to do whatever they wanted to do under um, under this Justice Department. It kind of kind of it got worse. I mean, just a few weeks ago, they were in court. I told you they're trying to shut down all of our Clinton, all of our Clinton cases, all of our Clinton cases. So we've got all this information out there uh, pushing, um, excuse me, all these lawsuits out there trying to get access to information. And uh, the Freedom of Information Act has been uh, the savior for those of us who want accountability because the justice department and they don't want to do anything who knows what durham's doing i've kind of written off that investigation maybe something will happen i doubt it so it's up to judicial watch once again to do the work that these other agencies aren't doing that media refuses to do and the congress 
is unable to do or doesn't want to do in many instances. And to that end, we just filed a new lawsuit this week on the 16th against seven. So let me put up the numbers. Seven government agencies. That's seven, right? Yeah, two and five is seven. Seven government agencies over the unmasking of General Flynn. Uh, during the transition of Obama-Trump. So these are uh, the list of names that we're asking about were released up by Richard Grinnell when he was acting head of the Office of Director of National Intelligence. And we sued the seven. Uh, we, of course, we were getting the runaround from the deep state when we asked for these records under FOIA. That's why we had to sue. So we want to know why John Brennan unmasked General Flynn on December 14th and 15th, 2016, about the time the Electoral College was meeting. The head of the, uh, the, the Defense Intelligence Agency, Deputy Assistant Director, uh, their office, why did they unmask Flynn? The head of the Department of Energy unmasked Flynn. James Comey, of course, at the FBI unmasked Flynn on December 15th, all around the same time. And then later in January, January 7th, after the president, I think was uh, that was the day uh, Congress certified him as president, accepted the Electoral College votes, if my memory serves me, or if my calendar, my understanding of the calendar serves me, he had Clapper unmask him. The top officials at the just at the State Department unmasked him in December. Treasury Secretary unmasked him in December as well. What was the Treasury Secretary unmasking General Flynn for? Again, he was the incoming National Security Advisor of the president. By that time, they had no good reason to be even asking any questions about him. And the fact that they were spying on him during the transition, does that tell you anything else about the hypocrisy of the Republicans and Democrats who are now pressuring President Trump to give up all of his challenges despite the strong evidence of misconduct because it's the right thing to do for, we need to have a peaceful transition. Exercising your rights under law does not make something not peaceful. He's following the law. He's abiding by the constitution. Here you had illegal spying going on in my view and a cover-up of the same. Now, we already have two other lawsuits we filed this year, one last month, about what Joe Biden was doing unmasking General Flynn. That's what I love about Judicial Watch. We are ready no matter what happens. These Biden scandals ain't going away. You can bet the Biden Justice Department, if indeed that ever occurs, is not going to investigate Joe Biden in any serious way. Frank, we couldn't even get the Trump Justice Department to do it under Attorney General Barr. So it's going to be up to Judicial Watch with this litigation. I mean, Judicial Watch will still be there for you. Don't worry. Do not worry to face these challenges of accountability. We can't put literally anyone in jail, but who knows? Maybe the documents would come out. I mean, uh, Hillary Clinton wouldn't have faced a criminal investigation, but for Judicial Watch's uncovering of the Clinton emails. Who knows what else we'll find? So uh, we have this new important FOIA lawsuit on top of many others into the unmasking of General Flynn. Uh, we have lawsuits into the corruption of Joe Biden, or to be fair, the corruption allegations. Joe Biden and, of course, Obamagate. That's the book that will be written, the, the book to be written based on the FOIA documents, Judicial Watch, 
has gotten and will get over the next few months and next few years. So I'm all excited. I know what I know what Judicial Watch is going to do, and I hope you're excited as well. I know there will be additional challenges no matter who wins, but we know we have a government to hold accountable no matter what. One of the ways that Judicial Watch holds uh, the government accountable is by educating people about what we find. I mean, we're an educational foundation, and if people don't know about what we're doing, uh, it doesn't matter uh, all the FOIA lawsuits and such. And of course, these days we have to use these big tech platforms to expose what's been going on. And so we have a significant presence on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, and on YouTube. Uh, and, uh, and I'm on those platforms as well. And as you know, we've been skeptical, at least I've been skeptical of all the uh, 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 government shutdown, uh, yeah, government ordered shutdowns of our nation in response to the coronavirus threat. And I've just been generally skeptical of uh, uh, mandates related to masks and mandates related to social distancing and closing schools and all of that. So there was this big study that came out that raised questions. It was a it was a uh, a Fauci standard study that I've that uh, we're all supposed to think is the only way of figuring out whether something works or not. But anyway, they did the Fauci standard study. It was some people had masks on, some people didn't have masks on, and it. Uh, uh, you can go look it up. It's been well reported on, and now it's being spun on. Uh, it, it questioned the efficacy of masks in terms of protecting the wearer from coronavirus. So I did a tweet on that, and Twitter, um, after a day, told me that uh, my account was frozen uh, for 12 hours unless I took the tweet down, and then it would be opened up. But they also told me I could appeal the tweet. First of all, the tweet I said, and I'm not, I don't want to repeat it now for fear of getting censored elsewhere, it was a perfectly accurate conclusion about the Danish study. There was nothing wrong about it. There was nothing unfair about it or misleading. It was accurate. And of course, I'm being targeted by Twitter because I have a big following, because I'm a conservative, because I'm seen as supportive of President Trump, And when I say I'm being supportive of President Trump, uh, the left translates, well, you have to be a Trump accolade as opposed to, well, I don't want someone, our presidency, to be uh, attacked by coosters, as I call them. I want the rule of law to prevail. So therefore, I have a target on my back, and Judicial Watch has a target on its back by the left. And so I'm still not on Twitter. They said 12 hours, and I said, and they said, well, you can appeal. So I appealed. But by appealing, it tolls the clock, meaning I can't get back on. Now, if I end the appeal and delete the tweet, I can get back on, or so they say. But it's Twitter, so you know they act like petty little tyrants, so who knows? So if you want to read the tweet, you can go to, I posted it on Parler, P-A-R-L-E-R. -E I have an account there under Tom Fitton. But big tech is uh, a threat to the First Amendment. And I, yes, I don't need a lecture that private companies don't have to abide by the First Amendment, but they can't engage in fraud. And they can't tell you that you have the freedom to post and they'll treat it fairly and they won't target you and they will make decisions fairly when in fact, that's not the case. 
it's demonstrated that's not the case. They're target conservatives. And in the case of COVID, they are uh, censoring medical information or critiques of government policies in ways never seen before. So in many ways, they're tools for government agencies. In the case of co in the case of Twitter, they talk about WHO. So it's not even an agency that's technically accountable to the United States. We don't even have any, we don't even give them money anymore. So I guess eventually I'm gonna to have to delete the tweet. I'm still ticked about it, as you might imagine. Because I wanna educate people. I'm not gonna be bullied off these platforms, nor should you. And this is what I think everyone should do. I mean, first of all, we should acknowledge that Twitter and Facebook are not engaged in good faith moderation of its content. In fact, I was watching the hearing today, this week, they had a hearing earlier this week where uh, Jack Dorsey, who runs Twitter, and Mark Zuckerberg, who is the owner of Facebook or runs Facebook, uh, was questioned by members of the Senate Judiciary Committee and Senator Richard Blumenthal, I believe. Uh, and, and so the, the conservatives on the committee were talking about Twitter and, and Facebook dishonestly censoring conservatives. And the left on the committee said they weren't censoring conservatives enough. In fact, Richard Blumenthal said, will you commit to, and this is the phrase, robust content modification. Robust content modification. If that's not Orwellian, I don't know what is. And of course, both Dorsey and Zuckerberg committed to that. They're preventing, for instance, on Facebook, Judicial Watch from paying for its educational advertisements on that platform. Again, we're in the business of educating people about the things we uncover about the government. Facebook is getting in the way of that for political purposes. They're both labeling falsely as, quote, disputed election issues. I mean, for a while, they were saying official sources have said that President, uh, that Vice President Biden won. And we'll for, so, there's only one official source that can certify the Vice, Pre the Vice President as victor in the presidency. You've got the states that certify that, and then the Electoral College meets, and that's certified, and then ultimately it's blessed by Congress. So no official sources have said Joe Biden has become president. The media has, but that's, the Constitution doesn't let the media choose who's the president. So we have to stand fast. You know, uh, it's unfortunate that, uh, like, for instance, on Twitter, I can't say what I really believe about COVID. I don't think I can say it on Facebook either, and it's unlikely I can do it on YouTube. I've already been censored. Judicial Watch has been censored repeatedly. But we're going to keep on telling the truth. And like in any oppressive system, you've got to be careful about what you say and how you say it. Now, we're not going to obviously uh, sell out in that regard. But it's, it's, it's a conundrum, don't you agree? I mean, Twitter and Facebook, as far as I'm concerned, they're destroying themselves. They are destroying themselves. I mean, it may be a point where I can't be on Twitter anymore because I can't, I don't know what I can say without being smeared and labeled and 
censored, same thing for Judicial Watch. Maybe we'll have to leave Twitter. Maybe we'll have to leave YouTube or Facebook. I don't know. But they're destroying their business models to appease the totalitarian left that wants to censor conservatives. And we're facing this, this, this period. It's been a remarkable four years in American history for a variety of reasons, and I can go on and on about it. But most recently and most troublingly, the last year I call the Great Suppression. You've had the Great Suppression of information about COVID. You've had the Great Suppression of information about voter fraud about the coup cabal targeting President Trump. Remember, I couldn't, I can't say, I think on Twitter I could, but since this is gonna be on YouTube and other platforms, I can't say the name of the uh, so-called whistleblower that helped initiate the coup process against President Trump that resulted in impeachment. I still can't say his name, even though he's a top government official who worked in the White House, in, in, in two White Houses. Unbelievable. So we're now in the middle of the Great Suppression. And if you think it's going to ease up under a President Biden, certainly it's not going to ease up on a President Trump because he's the target. Now, is Congress going to change the law to protect the rights of Americans in this regard? Or to hold the government of these big eight, these uh, clarify the law? to make it clear that the corrupt fraud they're engaged in and content moderation doesn't protect them from being held account for it by federal law or federal law doesn't protect them from being held account for it or will lawsuits, you know, Judicial Watch sues a lot. Maybe we'll sue, I don't know. Get a court to come in and say, you can't do what you're doing. You're lying to consumers. You're lying to your customers when you say, these terms of service are being fairly implemented and are reliable and aren't being changed on a whim, depending on who you are or your politics. All sorts of laws prohibit that type of activity. Basic, basic false advertising, laws against false advertising. So I don't want to go on too long about this. I'll probably be back on Twitter soon. Hopefully I don't say anything else that gets me banned permanently, but we're prepared. We're prepared. And that's why if you like Judicial Watch, you should subscribe to us via email. Of course, I can't send out all my great tweets during e through email, but you know, maybe you can see a little bit of what we do. But that's an independent way of getting our work. Go to our website at judicialwatch.org. Go to our various platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Make sure you're getting everything we're saying. And of course, uh, support us through the mail. And that way you get our newsletter. We have a great printed newsletter. You may not know this. We have nearly a million people who get the newsletter in the mail every month. And if you're not on that list, you should get on it. For a modest donation, you can support Judicial Watch. And once you're a supporter of Judicial Watch, we send you all sorts of great information. We ask you for money. And I'm proud to ask for money because I think what Judicial Watch is doing is great. And the left would love nothing more than to turn off the spigot that allows Judicial Watch to operate as a result of voluntary contributions of Americans like yourself. They hate that we don't rely on them to continue our operations. I love that we rely on you to continue our operations. Because of that, we are the largest and most effective watchdog group, not only in the country, but in the world. And they wanna shut us down. We will have a target on our back. We already do have a target on our back. And with your support, we can withstand anything, but more importantly, with your support, you can be sure 
that you are getting as much of the information as we can get to you through the snail mail, through the mail. And uh, that's just, uh, uh, you just got to make sure that you have access to all sorts of information. And of course, in the meantime, if I could promote Judicial Watch more, and frankly, I don't promote Judicial Watch enough. I talk about our work all the time, but I never, I need to ask people for our support more often. That will really annoy the left because only, only liberals are allowed to ask people for support. Conservatives, when they ask, there must be something no good. But you can make a charitable contribution to Judicial Watch. You can support us by going to our store and buying stuff that helps. Buy our new book. It's a bestseller. We got great news. It's been on the New York Times bestseller. It's going to be on at least two weeks in the New York Times bestseller list. A Republic Under Assault. I really encourage you to buy the book. And I, I say that obviously because I want the book to do well. But I know if it does well, it it uh, first of all, it will educate you. That's the chief goal of the book. But again, it's, it sends a signal to the media establishment that this is what people want to know about, the truth. And we're all about the truth. So with that, I will let you go. If I, um, I, I'll probably take a break next week. Uh, but who knows, maybe events will warrant another update. But in the meantime, I want you to have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I hope you're able to spend it with your families <laughs> and your friends and anyone else you need to or want to. Uh, and I, I think Thanksgiving is a wonderful holiday. Uh, we uh, should be thanking the maker uh, for uh, all the gifts we have uh, in our lives and in our great nation. And uh, the left hates Thanksgiving uh, in many ways. Uh, they're attacking it, uh, but uh, we should be protecting it and preserving it. It's a time uh, to gather and give thanks to our Lord and uh, it's, it's, you know, besides the, it's the most important civic holiday in America besides the 4th of July. So have a wonderful Thanksgiving and, and God bless you and your family and uh, stay healthy and safe. And I'll see you next time here on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.